0: White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 659. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron.
1: It's the White Rocket Babylon
0: 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything
1: else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix.
0: Dragon Con is over, and we're back. Andy, are you back? Are you there? I am. I am here, sir. How are you doing? Hey, I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andy Fix. We are both here to talk about Babylon 5. And yes, I'm doing very well. I'm Mira and I are safely back from Atlanta from a whirlwind weekend of Wednesday afternoon through Monday night. That seemed like it lasted about 10 minutes. <laughs> we were about three quarters <laughs> of the way through it. And I said, Mira, you know, we only have like one more day or something. And she's like, I can't believe it. It feels like it just started. So quite the trip. I'll throw a few tidbits in as we go here. But uh, what's new with you, sir? Uh, there is nothing <laughs> new with me. You know, I have started watching
1: For All Mankind and I, I am completely hooked.
0: Yes, that's what we want to hear.
1: Wa- wasn't, I wasn't quite sure what the twist was. But they the, the twist came within the first five minutes of the show. I mean, right after the credits, you're like, "Oh, oh my, that's yeah. that's a big twist." I, I didn't yes. know that 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 was it was quite that significant right away. So I thought that was pretty cool. There's also it's, it's a fun show
0: assuming what you're talking, I know what you're talking about. There's a, there's another little alternate history thing that is just mentioned in passing under the surface in the first episode and you don't realize I've it. I picked the- that up. Oh, okay. And it changes everything. Uh, like the be, next decade. Being,
1: being a student of history, I, I was like, Oh, so he didn't go to that party.
0: Hmm. Yes, exactly. I should have known. <laughs> I should have known that you would grab it. You would, you would catch it immediately. Yeah. It changes everything. So, um, what we're planning to do, folks, is that when Andy gets through, gets caught up, and believe me, Andy, you will blast through it, and you will get—no pun intended—and you will get all caught up. When you do, <laughs> you and I and John Ringer will have a three-point, three-person conversation, kind of looking back. Maybe we can do like three episodes, one per season or something. I don't know. And we will cross-post that to this account. And to just like we did with the foundation review, just like we did with the Dune review, we will cross-post it here as a bonus for our listeners here, and for the White Rocket podcast where those kind of reviews usually go. So that'll be a lot of fun. I'm glad you're watching it. It's a great, great. I think it's the best show on TV currently.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it, it. Right. I mean, I've got. I we're watching so many just great shows right now. It's it's hard to pick one out. But yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty spectacular.
0: Well, noting that I have yet to see any of the Lord of the Rings show. Ah. Uh, Okay, I think you'll appreciate that. It's it's good stuff. And, and I do like some of the shows that are not currently on right now. Obviously, I'm not counting things that are not on right now, like the Mandalorian. We haven't had in over a year, and that's one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, and Foundation when it comes back and stuff like that. Yep. But for right now, it's like my favorite thing that I've watched in like the last three months. So, like Wheel of Time yep. is not out right now. Anyway. Folks are here to talk about Babylon 5, and we have a snapcracker humdinger of an episode to talk about, I think. Um, We're going to get into that in just a second. We also have quite a few interesting comments and questions and things from our patrons. And if you want to join the party and be a patron and help support this podcast, and then you can leave comments and questions and things for on the air or not, Uh, Then go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, and click click on the Become a Patron box, and you can sign up, and you get access to our special features. For example, just a few days ago, when we got back from DragonCon, I posted the audio from the Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine panel. uh, Ooh. Which was Monday. The la- it was the last panel I did before we hopped on the plane to fly back home. It was interesting. I wasn't sure how people would respond to it, but we've gotten several good comments from the patrons. So the other good. thing I, the other announcement I had is that I have been remiss in getting Andy into the Patreon, and so what I'm going to do is set it up to where he can come in too, and he can make you know he can see your comments and questions. And, and make an, an answer and reply and, and, and comment and everything, too. I'm going to get that done either late tonight or tomorrow and send him the information. So you will not just have me to contend with on the Patreon board page. You will also have Andy. And I think that will make I think that'll make everybody happy, including me, because I want to make sure I'm not neglecting folks there and having two of us kind of keeping an eye on them and tending to them and talking to them I think would be even better, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they all love you. They love you way more than they love me, but it's not a competition. <laughs> but it's just fine. I, I I like you better than I like me, too, Andy, to be honest. So there you oh, go. Oh, no, come on, man. You're a swell guy. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead. I, again, I will point out, we don't have ads. So our show is funded entirely by our listeners. Go to www.b5review.com. And we have quite a few. We've, we've been very, very fortunate to have some great, great, folks that listen and have joined up and they're all so knowledgeable and ask interesting questions and make really cool points and stuff and I really love them all. Now, uh let's see. We oh, the other thing we always say is we have a spoiler section, we save it for the very end. So you can listen to this episode uh if you are up through 321 Shadow Dancing and you won't get any spoilers if we do our job right. Although we have done our job wrong at times, but hopefully we'll do it right. We will save anything for future episodes till after the spoiler space, which is designated by. Chump activated. There you go. There you go. All right. So, anything? Any other announcements or anything from you before we get started?
1: Uh, I don't have anything. Um, I did get a message from one of our listeners, but I, I'll go over that when you go over the the. Uh the Patreon comments.
0: Oh, okay. Um, by the way, I will note that uh, I was just showing Andy when we first got on, because we're on video. We can see each other, but we just record the audio. I was just showing Andy that um, I received the, the Crusade Other Voices Volume 1 and 2 and the Crusade Behind the Scenes book and the Crusade Encyclopedia uh, in the mail two days ago. So when we finally do get to Crusade, which we will after we finish the season— the, the fifth season, we'll have a lot of interesting stuff that hopefully we can throw in there. So that'll be really good. All right. I just right. thought of one
1: thing. Oh, by all means. Jam has announced, very interestingly, that he has completed, in the can, Something. a Babylon 5 project that, that has all the remaining, all the surviving cast involved with it. Yes. He didn't say what that project was, but he nope. said it is done, it's complete, and it will be released at some point in time. So... There's speculation that it could be a radio drama, or some people have even said it could be an animated show. I don't, I don't think it'll go that far, but um, it's, it's kind of, kind of interesting what's going on.
0: Yeah, I believe he said he couldn't say anything else about it until maybe San Diego next year or something like that, which they're going to roll right. out. So, right, that's a while. That's a while. Um, yeah. I saw people were at, he said, it has the entire main cast. And people started asking him specific people. And he's like, yes, yes, yes. And then somebody asked about a person that was on it a lot, but wasn't in the main cast. And he said, no, it's only people whose names appeared before the, before the, in the credits or whatever, like the pre. Right. Oh, Wayne. They asked him about Wayne Alexander. He said, Wayne okay. Alexander was not included. I'm wondering if that means Walter Koenig, because he was never, well, I don't know. Right i mean i would i think of wayne alexander as almost a main cast person just because he played so many different characters including some that were on multiple episodes you know right so i hate that he's not included because he's great but uh yeah it's gonna be very interesting to find out what in the world he was talking about yeah and it's not the like the it's not i don't think a pilot of the new show because it has the cast of the old show in it not New people right. or anything. Right. Um, and he says
1: it's done. It's it's completed and in mm-hmm. the can and ready to go. So it, it's it's not something that's coming up or something that's waiting for, you know, the green light or anything like that. That's already been greenlit and done. So yep. that 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 to me means that it is something smaller in scale than, than a filmed show mm-hmm. or movie. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Pr- like like I said, it's probably like I, I don't know. I don't know what it could be, but it it's it's interesting to speculate and it'll be very interesting to see what comes up with.
0: For sure, can't. Well, wait. I guess we'll see you next next uh, mm-hmm. next spring. Yeah, yeah, can't wait. Very very interested. All right. Well, tonight we are still sticking to our one episode per podcast uh, rule because we are in the meat of the of the show now, and I think this will continue on for quite a while. I imagine it'll probably be at least episode seven or eight of season four before we if we even go back to two at a time. So this is three twenty one shadow dancing. If that title doesn't give you some idea of what's going on. And as always, I ask, do you want to kick off or defer to the second half when it comes to doing the episode summary?
1: Well, I deferred last time, so I'll take this one this time. Fair enough. Um, In this episode, Delenn approaches the League of Non-Aligned Worlds asking them for military ships to support uh, her and Sheridan's plan to ambush the Shadows. Um, And uh, then... Of course, they, they, they deal with the, the fallout of that and the actual ambush itself, and then um, Franklin finally wraps up his walkabout when he does indeed find himself and, and has that, that all-important conversation that, we, that we've all been waiting
0: for. so And that makes me wonder, how long would the walkabout have continued if he hadn't had that violent incident encounter? Right? Because that was the catalyst.
1: Right. That, that's, he, he, that, that's exactly what he needed to, to uh, I guess, hit rock bottom and, and really
0: figure out what he was all about. And, you know, i got to say, the first couple of times that I saw this episode, especially the first time that I watched it back when it first aired, the whole Franklin thing, I'm like, okay, come on, let's get this over with and get back to the, to the cosmic battle stuff, right? <laughs> but honestly, this time that I was watching it, I was kind of more interested in the Franklin parts
1: yeah and when the first time this came on i was i was a huge franklin fan still am a huge franklin fan so i was i was into that that just as much as i was into the battle stuff I, I thought this part was really cool and and um richard biggs just gave a, a tour de force performance so it was really engaging and i thought it was a, a a great part of the the episode and you know it's really interesting to to well we'll get into this in in our categories
0: yeah but um but I was gonna ask you if I needed to see my doctor because I thought the Franklin part was more interesting than the than the space <laughs> battle I don't know it's not that's not the that's not the reaction I was expecting from myself right. so there you go well anyway yeah was, it was uh yeah it's, that, that is an interesting perspective for sure <laughs> yeah I guess I'm just getting older and and things are things just matter differently now. and plus like I said I'd focused on the other part. Every other time I've watched it, so this time I was more interested in the human right. drama. I guess. Right. Um, this was episode, a uh, production number three twenty one. So we just have one more to go in these twenty two episode seasons. It originally aired in the UK. Dang them on September fifteenth, nineteen ninety six, and it we over here in the colonies had to wait until October twenty first. Can you imagine? I I say this with greater vehemence every episode now. I can't even remember now what it was like knowing that the freaking British had seen this for over a month before we had. But the thing was, we didn't really have Facebook or Twitter yet, so if unless somebody was mentioning it in an email to you or an email-type you know, news group or whatever, you, you didn't worry much about it. Now it would be just, you couldn't do it now. Right, exactly. It would totally get spoiled. They could never do it.
1: Right. I... I... I had no idea the Brits were getting this before we were I back then. I, I had no idea. I was on what was I on? I think I was on America Online maybe at that yeah. point in time. Yeah. I mean this this was right when the internet was first becoming, you know, it wasn't even commonplace. It was first becoming public knowledge. So there, there wasn't a <laughs> well, whole lot of
0: I mean I I sent my first email in ninety two. And I had my own website by 95, which is still there, by the wow. way. www.avengersassemble.net www.avengers- really? <laughs> is still there, 27 or whatever years later. Yeah, www.avengersassemble.net is still there. Um, but and, a lot of in, in nineteen In 1995, you could literally tour the entire internet.
1: You could <laughs> yeah. visit every website on the internet.
0: Pretty much good. I've always said my Avengers website was up way before marvel.com was up. Wow. It had <laughs> millions of visitors because people were looking for Marvel stuff and there wasn't anything yeah. official, so they'd come to my website. I had tons and tons and tons of stuff up there. A lot of it's gone now. Anyway, uh, this episode was written by JMS. Now, this was an interesting name. I, had, I didn't recognize this name. I assumed, this being a big, big, big episode, that it was directed by one of our Mount Rushmore, like Janet Greek right. or Eagle or Nimoy or you know one of those guys. This was directed by Kim Friedman. And I wasn't familiar with her. It turns out that she directed 70 episodes of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. (laughs) So clearly JMS was like, this is who I need to have for shadow dancing. I'm like, okay, I guess.
1: And... I watched this one uh, with, with my wife, Connie. I'm going to start calling her Connie now. She doesn't like it when I just refer to her as my wife. But Okay. So I was watching this one with, with Connie, and she and I both mentioned that the camera work on this particular one was very melodramatic and, and a little over-the-top at
0: points. Yeah, well, when you're using a different director every week, it it, 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 it does vary, you know, in terms of what right. you get. I, here's, now, I... W-
1: I will say that she handled the the technical parts of the the space battle very well. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of special effects. This was the most extensive space. JMS says this was the most extensive space battle of the whole series. So, wow. um, And she handled that part very well. You know, yeah. the, the, the complex interactions between the, the cast and the, the CGI and all that stuff. So may, maybe she, that was her, her skill set, and that's why JMS brought her on board.
0: Yeah, and then the holographic chamber, watching the battle and everything. And, um Cutting back and forth between that big, big grandiose stuff and then the very intimate stuff with franklin and and, and, and a few of the other cast, yeah and and, and, and you, Susan, yeah and marcus right that that dichotomy, since you brought it up, I was going to mention it
1: earlier, but that dichotomy between the huge you know galactic space battle between all these races and and hundreds of ships. And then you contrast that against the very, very personal battle Franklin was fighting—not even against one other person, but against himself. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating how how JMS did that. I'm sure it was intentional.
0: Oh yeah, um,
1: yeah. It was just it was just really cool to see the one personal battle, which was just every bit as important to the viewer as this huge, grandiose space battle was. I thought that was really cool how how he
0: pulled that off. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Oh, the other weird thing I found about Kim Friedman, the director, in 2014, her daughter Kate began using Instagram to document the, quote, crazy, unquote, text messages that she would get from Kim Friedman on a daily basis. The account garnered more than 800,000 followers immediately. And has received attention from many media outlets, including ABC News, BuzzFeed and Yahoo. And I think like a book or a movie or something was based on like crazy text from my mom or something, and it was Kim Friedman. So Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Strange, strange, strange. Anyway, we it's funny how many um, it's funny how many weird stories we've gotten from like the directors and artists and stuff associated with this show. It's remarkable. Yeah. Notable guest stars. There were several, including Corwin, of course, and a few others. But the two main ones: Shirley Prestia as Barbara, and of course Melissa Gilbert as someone named Anna. But it doesn't say Anna who, so I'm not really sure who that's supposed to be. Yeah,
1: that that was neat. That yeah. was. I I still remember when that happened way back when. And uh, and you know, Connie is such a huge uh, Little House on the Prairie fan.
0: Oh, when when
1: she, when she saw that on screen. Cause I didn't, I didn't tell her, you know, going into this, what was coming up. So, you know, the whole buildup of from the, the first person point of view, she said, "Who is that? Are they going to kill? Are they going to kill him? Are they going to wait, wait, wait? Who, did who she that?
0: see the credit at the beginning?" Yeah, I, no, she didn't. She didn't see the credit she, at the beginning. No, that said that... she wasn't
1: paying any attention. To that there stuff. we go.
0: There. Now, we this go. was
1: this was. She went into that last final scene, stone cold, and was not expecting that at all. And she's ah. like, oh, "Wait, did they wait? Who? Wait." <laughs> it was really fun to, to see. Because I, I, she's
0: a huge Little House in the Prairie fan, so she thought that was super cool. I tell, I'm going to tell our listeners, when you were saying that she didn't see the credit and so she didn't know who was about to walk in that door, I was basically grinning and nodding like Jack Nicholson in that gif, you know, in <laughs> that animated gif. Because that, you know, <laughs> yes, that's what I wanted to hear. I don't think I knew about it either. And it, I was like the same thing. And um, it, it was neat because that was also connected to a previous episode to War Without End where they saw the flash forward. We just didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. And right. it was also neat. I'll go ahead and mention since I mentioned Melissa Gilbert. Um, that I was glad they used her because for those that don't know, she's, she she was Bruce Boxleitner's wife in real life at that time. I yep. think she was also president of the Screen Actors Guild at th- that time. She too. was. She and was. Um, I'm going to tell this story real quick. Do you know how they met? I have no idea. Oh, man. Okay. Do you remember Battle of the Network stars? I do. Yeah. Late 70s or thereabouts. um, Yeah. Celebrities doing various like obstacle courses and tug of war and stuff. And they were divided up ABC, NBC, and CBS. Yeah. And they had stars from the shows on each of those. I mean, it was just a great, great idea. It was like one of the grandfathers of the reality shows. Right. And Bruce Boxleitner, when he was, you know, he was probably in his, like, early 20s or something back then. Uh, or, you know, not much not much older than that. And I forgot what show he was on, but he was on something. Maybe it was bring Scarecrow. Bring him back Mrs. alive. It pro- yeah, probably was could that. Be, it could be it, Scarecrow. Could be Scarecrow, or, or Mrs. King, too. Could yeah. Bring back, yeah. Anyway, he was very young, buff, you know, good-looking guy. And Melissa Gilbert was still half pint, you know. And she came up yep. to him and was like, Mr. Boxleitner, is so great to meet you and like got his autograph and stuff. <laughs> and said something like she That's said, funny. I, I want to say she said something like I want I want to date you or I want to marry you one day or something. And they did. <laughs> I'm kidding. <married. laughs> Years later, of course. Years later, of course. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to throw that out there. <laughs> yes, but uh but I just thought it was so, cuz they were a cute couple and I was very excited that um that she got to play Anna. Uh so yeah. anyway, um. All right, so random factoids and notes. Let me throw out the first thing here, and then I'll see if you have anything. This episode okay. begins Z minus seven days, and this episode ends Z minus two days. Hmm. Ooh. I wonder what that could be all about. Wonder, I wonder. Do you have any random factoids or notes? I do have one. Okay.
1: Most of the cast did not like filming this episode, Uh, except for one cast member. Most of them hated filming this episode because there was a lot of blank, like green screen acting involved. Yes, Uh, they did a lot of acting against a blank wall, and Mm. a lot of you know it was hard to get your emotions up. You know when you're Mm. when you're trying to look around at nothing and you have the the assistant director shouting off stage, what's happening around you and stuff like that. So I I was reading through a bunch of, um, interviews with the different cast members and four, I think it was four of them all mentioned how difficult it was to do this episode, how much they just did not like acting like that. It was, uh, Mia Furlan, Bruce Boxleitner, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Claudia Christian and Mark, Marcus Cole. Is that his name for, no, what, who's the actor that played Marcus Jason Jason Cole? Cole. Yeah. 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 And, uh,
0: Marcus, all four Marcus of them he, said that it was he is Marcus Cole he's uh Jason right. Carter jeez Jason Carter
1: that's right <laughs> <laughs> You got two old old funny oh, duddies he's trying to remember good stuff Lord. Huh? <laughs> Without oh. any notes in front of us yeah, all four of them mentioned in separate interviews at se- se- separate you know at different times how how difficult it was to do this episode and it was a pretty extensive you know. Um, a, a lot of green screen type acting. Now, the one actor that loved this episode said it was one of his favorite episodes. That would be Richard Biggs.
0: I was going to say, he I bet I know the one that loved this episode. The yeah. one that didn't have to act in front of a green screen the entire time, right? Right. Yep. I I, w- I knew you were going to say Box Lightner and and Ferlin because they have to go in the holographic room, and I don't think it's anything of a spoiler to say I don't think they do a lot more of this. Right? They kind of move the battle. Con- you know, any battles, obviously there will be later battles, right? I don't think, again, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there will be more battles. This show is a space right. battle show, okay? And I think that pretty much most of the remaining space battles happen on the white, you see them on the white star, where they at least are in a physical set and can react to people around them and stuff. Right. And this one, you know, Sheridan and Delin are like standing there in the gray council chamber, and there's just nothing to react to if it's a green screen. You're just in a big, it's like you're filming Ready Player One, you know, it's just, CGI, basically.
1: Well, uh, it was Claudia Christian said specifically that they would film um, all the scenes that her and and Marcus were in, um, not at the same time. So they would would get all in the costumes, send all the, the lighting and all that stuff, and then they would have like two lines each and then they oh. would have to reset everything and reset the lighting. So she said I would wait around for a half hour 45 minutes between giving my lines, you know, for for that whole show. It, it, it we just didn't do it over, you know, in one scene. We actually did it in separate different every different scene you see them together is a different, you know, they had a different lighting and all that stuff. She said it was I, wonder, very I was going to say
0: I was going to say I wonder why they had to redo it. I mean, I guess they had to light the place she was sitting and they had to light the place he was and maybe they right. couldn't do them at the same time or something. Right, that's that's what I'm guessing. The, I, so she, she it said it was like not you fun. Could, it seems like you could just set it up, light Susan, do the entire scene, then then set it up to light Marcus and do the entire scene, and then just edit.
1: You would figure, but I, I'm certainly not a a, a director, so wow. I have never done done anything like it before, so I'm not. Uh, I'm not familiar with it. There, there must've been some technical well, reason why they did it the way, or maybe it's because that's just the way they did it on, uh, what was that other show you mentioned?
0: Oh, I said ready player one, but that was
1: no, the, the, the other show, the director did. Oh, Mary Hartman. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure used a lot of maybe, green screen. Maybe that's how effects. they did it on Mary Hartman.
0: <laughs> I, I, yeah, that was a, that show was known for its science fiction space battles for right. sure. No doubt. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I had another thought, but I don't remember. Anyway, I'll get, it'll Come back to me. Um, Okay, so we have uh, almost. Oh, oh well, uh, we have unanswered questions for this episode. Oh, oh, oh I was going to say that the show that always used to get a lot of talk about how incredibly difficult and and, and time consuming it was to light the set was the first season of Space Nineteen Ninety Nine because they had that gorgeous command center main mission set that was white and huge and open like a garage, and like a yep. giant, like a giant basketball court, you know, right and. Um, and they said they just took hours to light it properly. They hated filming in there. That's why in the, that's why in the second season of Space 1999, they're basically in what looks like a little first-grade classroom, right, instead of right. a big <laughs> – they went from the gym to the classroom if you kind of compare the two, <laughs> the two seasons. It's true. But anyway. All right. We have a few unanswered questions. I'm just going to throw these out as we move along. Um, I have one as well. Oh, oh okay. Well, right, you hang on to yours. I'll do, I'll do mine. Yep. How, did, yep. how did Anna get into Sheridan's quarters? How did she get the door to open? And I think that we've decided a long time ago that the doorways on Babylon 5 open based on plot, right? Just like the white star is plot-sized. Right. We've already determined right. that if, if if the doors shouldn't open, they don't open. And if they need to open for the story, they just open right up like they're not even locked or anything. I don't know. But anyway, um, right. how did – It could An- have been Zach just trying to be helpful, you know. It could, yeah. Oh, I just oh, – hey, yo, Chief, just trying to be helpful here, huh? Uh how did Anna know <laughs> Delin's name? Maybe Morden told her. We don't oh, know. Oh,
1: well that's because right that yeah she knew that from her bosses.
0: okay. Uh Delin had already Wait, was that a spoiler? S- no, I think so. Right. Delin had a flat we, okay. we saw her come out of the shadow ship, so draw your own. And we also know that she disappeared on Zaha Doom so you can connect the dots. Right. D'Lynn had a flash right. forward in War Without in part two, your favorite episode, of Anna's arrival. So why was she surprised <laughs> to see Anna when Anna walked in just like she had in the flash forward? But I you know, to me, all those prophecies and flash forward things, People still always have surprise reactions. It's not like, I don't think there's ever been a moment on this show that when something that people have seen before actually happens, I don't think there's ever been a time that when that happens, they go, oh, it's that thing. You know? right. <laughs> they, they, they never react like, oh, yeah, that, of course, I was expecting. Oh, Anna, yes, you're here, cool. No, it's always like, right. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I don't that's, I don't think that's an answer to question. That's just how it works. That's just how the show works. Just go with it. Um, Sheridan openly mentioned Ivanova being a telepath in front of Dolin. It was supposed to be a right? secret. Does Sheridan just trust Dolin now? I mean, Susan didn't seem to mind. Right? I don't know. That was discuss- discussed off camera. Yeah, yeah, I must think. The Army of Light must have talked about this. Why have the Shadows not yet attacked Babylon 5? This is like the first episode where they actually start talking like, they could actually attack us. What should we do? And I'm like, dude, they could have attacked you two seasons ago. You need to get your ducks in a row now, man. I mean, look, if I was in command of Babylon 5 in this situation, I would already have Operation Exodus evacuation plans in place to get everybody down to Draw's headquarters. I don't know if they'd fit, right? But I, we'd have been working on it. I, I
1: would counter that by saying this is a shadow attack at the very end. There, that that was their that was their reaction yeah. to the the big space battle. Oh yeah, yeah. They didn't send in you know a a crab ship to laser blast a place to to heck and back. They sent in right. you know a stealth weapon, so to yes. speak.
0: Yes. So all right, I one hundred percent agree. I'm just saying that I if I had been in command of the station. I would have been worrying about a military attack right. way before now. They've right, been I ki- agree. Yeah, they've been kind of a- acting like we're we're, I- I we're, don't, we're safe.
1: I don't know if 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 they were expecting draw able to help in case that happens or what. Yeah, yeah. This this was discussed a a little bit in the next episode. I'll I'll yeah. cheat and tell you that. <laughs> Uh, Connie and I had to watch the very, she she said that after the end of this episode, she said, oh, we're watching the next one right now. So we, <laughs> we got to jump into the next one.
0: So that is <laughs> that is addressed a little bit in the next episode. Wow. So I like the idea that your wife is now like totally sucked in. How could you not be? Oh, it, it's it's awesome. And she is just like, she is all up to speed
1: now. She is totally engaged. She loves the the. The and, and Sheridan uh, mm. interaction. She thinks that that's the highlight of the series, which oh, yeah. isn't
0: isn't a bad take at all. No, I, I I have I'm I'm hard pressed to disagree. Honestly, I share Sheridan and Delenn are my absolute favorite couple in science fiction. Sheridan is one of my top five, you know, leading characters, along with you know Iron Man, Parker, and you know a couple others, you know. So absolutely. Yep. Uh let's uh Boba Fett. Uh let's see. Doodly doodly do you sure, interest taking um oh yeah. Were the Vorlons approached about being part of the ambush fleet? That's a good question. Don't know. They they could have certainly helped. If they
1: were right. If they were, I I, I know what the answer was. Hold
0: on. Um <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Well, perhaps for a small fee. <laughs> I, I, I mean... I, uh, yeah, well, we'll see. Um, oh, oh! What are the Rotunda and the Sanctuary? Where did that come from? Have we, right? ever, have we ever heard those two locations mentioned before?
1: I, I want to say the Rotunda is the Observation Deck, maybe? Because it's kind of a round thing with a domed ceiling. Hmm. <laughs> and and they, they have had some some gatherings there. Like, that's where Jakar did his religious ceremony and stuff like that.
0: Ah, well.
1: And this... The sanctuary, I would think, would be that little Zen garden area that they have.
0: Yeah, well, both of them have to be relatively spacious because the i because for those that didn't catch it, Franklin told his staff at the end to move non critical patients to the rotunda and the sanctuary, and I'm like, wait a minute. You thought that was just going to slide right by me, like it did the every other time I've seen this episode. <laughs> but you and I have talked a lot about facilities, right? I like the fact that you right. and I have discussed Babylon 5 facilities a great deal. And my thought was maybe yeah. the rotunda was where the council was actually supposed to meet, but instead they got stuck right. in that closet where they meet.
1: Right. You'll, <laughs> you'll notice that he did not say, move the patients to the council
0: chamber. No, it's not you big enough. You
1: them 12 in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've now learned two new places on the station that maybe we didn't know existed before. All right, here's that's my unanswered questions. Uh, you have an unanswered question. I do. Is Delenn in the Babylon
1: 5 chain of command? Because there is one scene where they're discussing who all is going to go into battle. And um, Sheridan says, well, Ivanova and Marcus are going to be on the White Star. And Because he's telling Delenn he needs her to stay behind. He says, well, Marcus and Ivanova are going on the White Star, and, Gar- and Garibaldi's doing something, and um, what's his name? Uh, um, Franklin is all tied up with his walkabout. Yeah. So he's acting like, you can't go because we need you to be here as part of the command staff.
0: That's interesting. Well, I mean, she's, she's Ranger 1, so clearly she has a leadership right? position within the Army of Light. The question right. is, but but see, we've never been able to nail down exactly what the command structure is now. Now that they're not part of Earth Alliance anymore,
1: right? So I, we, I thought that's why I thought it was an unanswered, an interesting it, unanswered question.
0: It is, it is, yeah, because we've we've decided that they just retained the original command staff and people obey them, even though they no longer have to. Right. Mainly because the mimbari are backing it up, right? Instead of Earth Alliance, it's now the mimbari that are backing it up and, and giving Sheridan his legitimacy, right. as far as I can tell. Yep. Yeah, so. Okay, uh, a few factoids. Uh, in Britain, Channel 4 edited out seven seconds of the knife attack on Franklin because of violence. JMS had a lot to say about that. None of it bad, just he assumed it was going to happen. Beth Toussaint played Anna Sheridan in Revelations, and JMS was asked about that, and he said he gave some technical answers, and I think I've got it hidden down here somewhere, but he said it's something to do with availability and this, that, and the other. I suspect it was just that they wanted to get Melissa Gilbert in to actually play the wife since she was his wife. I think that's probably what it came down to.
1: I would agree with that.
0: It certainly hit a lot harder than if it had been some random blonde-headed lady from Revelations, you know.
1: Right, <laughs> right, agreed. Yeah.
0: Um, let's see. Uh, JMS said this was one of his favorite episodes of season three. Kind of, he was in a tie with it and and, and three twenty-two, which we'll get to next next time. Uh, somebody asked JMS about had he ever gone on walkabout, and he says. Yeah, back when I was living in San Diego, before it got nuked. Well, that hadn't happened yet, but soon. <laughs> uh, and this is covered, by the way, in his autobiography. So once again, I would recommend reading or listening to Becoming Superman. I, I've told you before, Andy, I delayed listening to it. on I got it on Audible, and then I'm like, eh, I'm just not. you know, Becoming Superman, it just sounds kind of conceited and arrogant and everything. And he can be that way at times, let's be honest. Yes. So I put it off and put it off, but I saw so many good reviews. So many people said how good it was that I'm like, all right, I'm going to listen to it. And I couldn't barely put it down, you know, figuratively speaking, put it down. I blew through that thing in like just a week, listening, you know, a couple hours a day. Um, And he does talk about how he went out walking around through San Diego one night and got attacked and almost killed and had to drag his bloody body back to civilization. And he says when he wrote it, he wasn't even thinking about that. And then he realized later that that was probably where he was getting it from. Yep. Somebody asked uh, JMS, how did Marcus heal so quickly? And he said it's probably been more than a couple of weeks of story time between Gray 17 and, and The Rock Cried Out No Hiding Place. And then a couple of weeks after that. So he's had at least like a month and a half to heal and you've got new medicine and stuff. So that was his way of getting around it. That makes sense. Um, oh, this is kind of an unanswered question. Did the Minbari telepaths not need line of sight to affect the shadow ships? And JMS, yeah, we discussed this before. Yeah, he says they could be looking at viewers above their beds, for all you know. So he was JMS's answer was a for all you know. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't know yeah. what they were doing. So maybe they had little portholes. I don't know. Well, some of them had their eyes closed, so I I, I called bunk on that one. <laughs> that's a good point. Somebody asked, uh, was it thought of from the beginning when they talked about in you know, a late delivery, a late arrival, a late? It's not a late arrival at Avalon. That's not what it was called, dude. It's a late delivery from Avalon. Um, Marcus asked, who is Morgana Le Fay? Did you know it was going to be Anna Sheridan? And he basically says yes. So, Or he Ooh, said, yup. How about that? Yeah, he knew that. Yeah. Uh, why the change in actresses we already addressed? Why were the station personnel seemingly surprised to see Anna when she walks in? And he said, the script said the extras shouldn't make a big deal about seeing her, but the director did that on the set. It wasn't what I had in mind, but it's not a big deal. So he says, "I figure she's a striking, good-looking woman. Maybe that's a good justification, <laughs> and that's that's fair."
1: She she was very attractive, and I mean, she grew up a lot from her little house on the prairie for sure.
0: Can you imagine? she's standing there with a pigtail and freckles and like a little dress and everything. <laughs> I would be much more afraid. I would have been much more afraid. Yeah. If, <laughs> if, if that was standing there, you must be Delin. I'm half pint. John's wife.
1: Yank, yank, yank,
0: run, run, run. Oh, my goodness. Wait,
1: wait. <laughs>
0: that even frightened me. Um. <laughs> So he was asked about having her name at the beginning, and like maybe it would have been better to hide it at the end or something. And he said the ordering of the credits was done to de-emphasize and hide her as much as possible, but under Screen Actor Guild rules, you have to put the guest stars of a certain caliber in the opening credits, and that would, it wouldn't have worked for Melissa Gilbert to be in the closing credits. We had no choice. It's all regulated by the guilds. So there you go. The Spacing Guild, perhaps. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and and Kanye is proof that a lot of that just goes completely ignored. Yeah. You know, it works. When, when you're just waiting for the show to start. You know, you're running around getting your popcorn
0: or your pop or your beer or whatever. <laughs> you don't necessarily pay attention to those. It's true. All right. Uh shall we get into the categories? Absolutely. This one's gonna be tough. High point of the episode. Oh, this was an easy one for me. It was the the big
1: space battle. That was just spectacular. I mean, we had uh, it it was the first big battle against i mean the first major uh confrontation with with the shadows and you had literally hundreds of ships zipping around there you had i mean when all those shadow ships first start coming it was just you know normally we see one or two possibly three of the, the the crab ships at a time this one had they were filling up the screen i mean it was just one two three and then you lost count yeah and then they had all their support fighters there and everything like that so and then when the league of Non-A-A-A non-aligned worlds came in with all their different ships that was so cool first time we saw the the drazi oh, there's Kosh. the first <laughs> time we saw him the, the drazi the drazi sunhawk i mean just fly in there i love the the drazi sunhawk i think that is a cool ship it's got a great design and packs a heck of a lot of firepower into a small so ship we yeah. saw that one yeah and it was small ship um we saw. I think that was the the Mercuri ship, the the green one with the yellow stripe on it. That you know, kind of mm. gets cut in half at one point in time. And then yeah. we saw the Vrie saucer in, in action with their their cool little laser, <laughs> like a Gatling multiple, gun. Yeah, multiple attack. Yeah, the Gatling gun. So it mm. was it was spectacular. It was well shot, um, and I'll even say well acted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know the actors didn't like, but I, I thought it was well done, well developed, and it 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 was it was. One of the biggest space battles in sci-fi TV history, yes. and nothing like it had been done before this. I, I don't even think the the what do you call it the um, next generation had had their big uh, battle Wolf, at Wolf Four Five Nine. Yeah, Wolf Four Five Nine yet, and if they did, it was it still wasn't as extensive as this no. was, or as action packed as this one was. No. I mean, it was it was cool, and it it still rings as one of the greatest scenes in sci-fi TV history.
0: Yeah, Wolf 459 in Best of Both Worlds was just one big enemy against a bunch of little relatively smaller ships. This was just a this was right. just a a a dogfight. Just a melee. It was like
1: something out of Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. You had the fighters flying in between the bigger ships. You had every ships getting directions. blown to pieces mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was spectacular. I Connie don't even I mean, it, it go ahead. No, go ahead, Connie. Connie was was impressed with it. she goes wow this is super cool I mean it holds up over 25 years later yes. I mean that that's a testament to how yes. effectively it was shot on such a shoestring budget with Commodore 64s or Amiga computers or whatever they you you know they're they're <laughs> yeah. they're, they're graphing calculators, but whatever it was, it, it was it was really well done. So, yeah, she, even Connie in today, and and she's been exposed to The Expanse and the, all the Star Wars movies and all that stuff. She still thought it was pretty cool.
0: Well, remember, one of the things that this show pioneered was those colorful backgrounds. Like every show before this, space was just black with stars. And Babylon 5 right. were the ones that stuck nebulas and bright colors all in the background of these episodes, of these scenes, and it really works. It's totally Tall yep. it's kind of it's funny because it's almost subliminal you don't even you're so focused on the foreground that you don't notice the background is multicolored but then you realize wow that was just so much more vivid than most than like two little models flying around in front of a black starfield this is incredible right. you know yep the Brakiri ships i don't know if we've seen them before i, I feel like we haven't seen much of the Brakiri before
1: we we saw them once, I believe, uh, when the league worlds were patrolling outside of uh, Babylon Five. Oh, I think okay. We saw it just fly by once, but yeah, this was the first time we got a good look at it yeah. and saw it in action. You're gonna get it's a al- cool looking ship.
0: Yes, yes, I, it is a cool looking ship. You and again, no spoiler, but you'll see a lot more of those going forward. And so I'm I'm glad that it's a cool looking design. And the Braciria are interesting. Yeah. We have we haven't seen much of them before this episode. Not a lot. But they kind right. of come into their own now. They're, it's kind of like we had some aliens that were more important, like season one, season two, and now they kind of fall into the background a little bit. The Drazi are always going to Drazi because the Drazi are Drazi and the Drazi are going to Drazi. But but the Brakiri are going to kind of emerge now. I think, I suspect it's because you needed another alien race that's, that that's pretty humanoid and can communicate. For scenes right. coming up where they have to be able to have conversations with Sheridan and Delenn and stuff, and the Marcab are not available anymore, obviously, right. and the Mara don't work really well for that, the game don't work right. really well for that, the Vree don't really work really well for that, so they they needed another alien race that was very human looking, and the the Brakiri kind of emerged out of that. Don't don't you imagine that's probably true. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think they were of, of convenience, and that makes sense. Yeah, because in yeah. the first couple of seasons, they wanted the aliens just to be alien. You know, there, there weren't right. a lot of scenes where the aliens were having conversations other than the Narn and the Centauri. So what they really needed was like another Narn or Centauri race, and that's besides the really? Drazi. So, yeah, because you don't want the and Drazi to do everything.
1: Now that you, right. And now that you bring up the Narn, it was interesting to see that there was at least one Narn
0: yes. creature
1: involved with that battle.
0: And it got some revenge, I wonder, I, baby.
1: Yeah, and I wonder how how the uh, the League of Non-Aligned Worlds reacted to that because the 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 uh, Narn are pretty much persona non grata at this point. They you know nobody really wants to
0: deal with them. So no, well, but they're well liked. I mean, they are. I think the Centauri are, there were no Centauri ships in that battle. You know that, right? For sure. <laughs> no, no Earth and no Centauri and no Vorlon. Right. It was the Non-Aligned Worlds and the Membari, and the White Stars. Yep. Which is sad commentary on the Centauri and the humans and the Vorlons all having their own issues right now. Honestly, with the stuff that we see and will see involving through through these current plot lines that are going on now that involve Earth and involve Minbar, if they'd had a bigger budget and more time, they could have done something really interesting with the Vorlons. Like what's going on on the Vorlon homeworld? are they having kind of a split decision, right? Cuz the shadows reemerging caused right. basically civil war for everybody. I mean, part of the plot of this episode was that the that the that the non-aligned aliens, some of them wanted to go fight the shadows and some of them didn't want to leave their home worlds cuz they were, you know, and and it's like every every planet, every species in the galaxy had to kind of confront themselves because of the shadows. And I'd like to know what was going on in the Vorlon homeworld.
1: Right. And, and I think that's part of what makes Babylon 5 so engaging is, and realistic, so to speak, is that there are no real monolithic cultures. Right. Every culture has their own their own political strife, their own uh, inner battles and stuff like that going on. I mean, the Minbari are, are uh, you know, they're having a lot of problems right now. For um, sure. You know, e- even the Drazi has the classic green, purple, yes. you know, difficulty. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. They they built these these alien races as, as I mean, it's kind of balkanized. You know, everybody mm-hmm. is in it for themselves. They have some alliances with some, but they hate others. And it's it's very it's very true to how how things actually happen in, in the real world.
0: Andy, I, I actually have some audio from the Vorlon homeworld during their drastic civil war over this are you ready i am yes (laughs) no (laughs) yes (laughs) no that's pretty much how it went right there right and Live and from the yep. Vorlon homeworld. There you go. 2260. 2260.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's why we didn't get a whole lot of, <laughs> of screen time for that.
0: It wouldn't have been <laughs> super exciting. All right. My high point of the episode is indeed the Army of Light beating back the Shadow Fleet. But I also have to give a co-shout out to that ending. That was the shock ending of all shock endings on Babylon 5. Although, to be honest, we ain't done even this season. Hint, right. Hint, hint. Things are coming. For those of you that, again, I'm not going to give a spoiler. I'm just going to say, for those of you that have not ever, ever watched the the episode after this yet, if you're listening to this podcast along with watching the show, I sort of doubt many people are doing that, but we still try to be respectful that way. If you are, if you've not yet watched 322, oh, hang on, because if you thought this was a cliffhanger, have we got a cliffhanger for you coming up next? Oh, boy. Right. All right, so there was my high points. What was your low point? And we've kind of gone, I think, clearly with these episodes, the low point's going to be like emotionally low. So, I would say that the
1: low point for me was uh, when Delan and Sheridan were sitting in the the uh, viewing room on their Minbari cruiser and looking at all the carnage around. Them. Oh. That was really cool how they how they had you know the the. The thing came the holographic, the three D holographic thing came down around them, so they could see everything. And mm. it looked like at that scene, when all the all the debris of all the mm. ships that they lost were, were floating around them, that uh, that was that was a very intense scene. I mean, you could just see him as he's you know holding Delenn and he's just looking around. You could see how haunted his eyes were. He he realized how much, yes. how dearly they paid for that victory.
0: Two two for one. Yeah, Although-
1: that, yeah, t- two allied ships for every. Shadowship shadow destroyer. That that's but that's a heavy toll.
0: I, I was gonna like, say that's a heavy toll, but if you told me going in that it would be two for one on the shadows, I would take that every day. That seems right. like that seems light to me, honestly. I would have said five to one going up against the shadowships.
1: Right, you, but you, how I mean, as as difficult it was to get them all involved, all the League of Nine Line Worlds involved, would they have gone along with it? Because those losses are not sustainable.
0: No. Yeah, I think two for one. The non-aligned worlds are going to scream, but I'm just—I think that that was about as good as they could have ever dreamed of getting. Right. Oh, absolutely. I with with no Vorlons without the Vorlons with the Vorlons maybe it's more even. But if if it's just the the lesser rate, there were no Centauri, there were no humans, there were no Vorlons. This was like, you know, this is like the Russians or the Chinese getting attacked by Saudi Arabia, Vietnam. Panama, you know, and right. then and then maybe France or Britain or something, right? Or yeah, maybe the, maybe the Bari US. ships were
1: the only ones that were were advanced. Yeah. I mean, yes, the, exactly. and even they were not as strong as the shadow ships. Oh. I mean, all the other races involved were less advanced in, than Earth.
0: We lost them in Bari Cruiser, didn't we? We did. Got cut yeah. right in half. Holy crap! Yeah, That's, so. that is
1: not a minor
0: deal. No, they didn't have a lot of those. Remember, they only got part of the fleet as far as I remember. Right, yeah. So, yeah. when they had their civil war. Um, my low point of this episode, though I agree completely with yours, and by the way, I was going to say, when when D'Lynn and Sheridan embraced there at the end of that battle, there was so much going on there because they were embracing like they usually do in an emotional moment, but like you said, it was also a lot of soul-searching over what they were seeing was the aftermath and the cost. And right. then it was just kind of relief that it was over, and they were just kind of like sagging into each other, like, ah, you know. There was just a right. lot that that was that was a very substantively different embrace from the one last episode that was like the greatest one in space opera history. Right. This was Absolutely. this was not the greatest in space opera history because this one was too much of a downer. Right. Yeah. So okay, um, but my lowest point was Doctor Franklin at his lowest ebb because it reminded me of Garibaldi in chrysalis when he stumbles out of the elevator you know and he's bleeding and everybody's kind of screaming and getting out of his way um, yep. and I have more to say about that coming up so I'm gonna leave it there for right now what was your most Babylon 5 scene
1: my most Babylon 5 scene was when Anna Sheridan shows up there at the very end I thought okay, that was fair enough. that was hugely impactful and it, yeah. it, it you know brought up brought up the past and it, it was—I mean, it was a major moment between Delenn and Sheridan—and that was completely ruined by by Anna's, Anna's appearance. So, yeah, oh, yeah,
0: it was, it was pretty cool. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I had the Army of Light fleet coming through the jump point just as the shadows were about to attack Susan and Marcus. And I don't want to leave out Susan and Marcus. They kind of got—they—they sh- they didn't get short shrift in terms of screen time, but. You know, we're talking about Franklin. We're talking about Sheridan and Lynn in the big battle. I don't want to forget there was a lot of cool Marcus and Susan stuff in this episode, right? There was, you know, and, and it kind of kind of gets yeah. overshadowed a lot, but it was great, right? And, and
1: it had a very important moment uh, the building their relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marcus flat out admitted to Susan he was in love with her. He only did it in Minbari. so yeah, she, she didn't could. know what he was saying. But it yeah. was uh, it was it was kind of neat how how. They put the, again, Babylon 5 is all about the quiet moments. We, we know we'll get space battles. We know we'll get, you know, aliens with, with rubber masks and stuff like that. But the 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 big draw for me are the emotional quiet moments between all that stuff going on.
0: Yeah, well, and uh, speaking of which, yeah, I had as the other most Babylon 5 scene was Sheridan and Delenn in the holographic command area seeing the battle all around. That's a pretty freaking Babylon 5 moment. Um, what, was yeah, your favorite, what was your favorite character moment?
1: Uh, most favorite character moment was, uh, and it's one of my most favorite character moments of the whole series, is when uh Doc Franklin finds himself and and has that whole discussion with himself there after he got stabbed. I thought, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that was just a tour de force by by Richard Biggs. I thought it was very well written, extremely well acted, and it, it was a big payoff to the the uh, Franklin story arc. And this was yes. probably his biggest moment in the series since, um, since Believers. It, yeah, right. <laughs> And it, you know this has been building up for a, a good season and a half now. His whole stem issue yeah. and his his I mean it was and it was a huge evolutionary step for Franklin's character too.
0: And he did a great job with it. He did, and he had a he said
1: he had a, a blast doing that scene. You know he was because he acted both parts obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, I, And again, obviously they couldn't do that in the room at the same time. So he was acting off of a stand in actor, and he had a different stand in actor for. Stab Franklin than huh. the the uniform Franklin because oh, he he didn't want to play because that would it would be difficult for him to play off of you know both both characters because he he said it very specifically made the 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 Doctor Franklin much more you know uh, stronger personality than the Stab Franklin and and he said it was very interesting and enjoyable to be able to play both
0: those in one in one scene and did this director like film one of them have it saying something and then change their costumes and change the lighting and film the other one doing saying something or surely they did the whole thing at once and did <laughs> right the, oh yeah my they, they did
1: the they did the whole scene Ugh. with him as stab franklin against the uh the the stand-in for right. dr franklin and then they switched everything and it Dr. Franklin.
0: Why didn't yeah. they do that for the other scene? I don't understand. Anyway, who knows? <laughs> I'm sure they had good reasons. I right. have a question for you about that scene. That this is what came into my mind immediately, and I was curious if it struck you the way it struck me. What other character did Stephen Franklin sound exactly like when he was the healthy, uniform Dr. Franklin lecturing the stabbed one? Did he remind <sighs> you of anybody? Because he, he reminded me of somebody that makes perfect uh, sense when you um, think about it—a little that. bit of Morden. Nah, no, no, no. I don't. I don't think <laughs> wrong <so>. answer. <clears throat> it wrong answer. No. There's an right, answer. You're gonna be say? like, you're gonna be like, of course. It's the most obvious thing in the world when I say it. His right. father. Wow.
1: Yes. Mm. I. The reason I said Morden was because in that one scene. Franklin answered both of Morton's questions. Who are you and what do you want?
0: Whoa. Okay. That's a mind blower for me. Good deal. Good deal.
1: Yeah. But, so, but, I mean, d- those
0: are those are the two major questions of, of the okay, series. That's fair. That's fair enough and I missed that. Good call. But do you see though? Doesn't it sound like doesn't he sound like his dad? Like, come on, boy, yes. you better climb up there. Yep. What's the matter with you? Exactly. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he's channeling his dad now when he's yeah. when he's confronting himself, and that's perfect. I just thought it's never mentioned. I've never heard anybody else mention it, but it just seemed to me so. If if nobody was aware of that, I think that it still had to be in the back of uh, either JMS's or um, Richard Biggs' mind when he did that episode. Oh,
1: absolutely, that yeah. That's that's yeah. very insightful. I, yeah. I I yeah. I I think. He may have been directed to do that, or that could just be Richard Biggs being a consummate actor and, and yes. bringing that into his character.
0: Absolutely, but he sounded just like his dad. I'm like, oh, this is totally he's, yeah, he's talking no, to no. he's talking to himself like his dad would talk to him, and that makes perfect yeah. sense in that situation. The Absolutely. other the other really cool line I thought was when Dillon says, "History awaits." That is so good, yeah. right? Just two words, but it they. I love that they understood throughout this series, throughout this entire series, the, the, the key figures always understood how important what they were doing was doing. And of course, we're going to get an episode in season four that very specifically addresses that. So we'll leave it at that, obviously. But they always understood that they were you know, that they were like Churchill and FDR and Stalin in World War Two or something. Right. They always understood that about themselves. That you know, Delin was criticized for understanding that about herself because she, right. you know, you know, she you know, they, they even sent the Inquisitor to to see if she was too right. much, you know, like that. But uh, but she knew
1: it 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 doesn't it doesn't hurt that they had an actual historical figure from the past come forward yeah. into time telling them You guys are important historical figures and need to
0: (laughs) need to get this done. You are the right people in the right place at the right right time. And Sebastian just reverberates throughout this entire series. All right. Funniest moment. And I was hard pressed to find a funny moment in this one, but I have something. I found, I scrammed something up.
1: For me and and Connie and I both laughed out loud at the scene. It was when, um, the whole scene when she's interacting with, with Marcus and then trying to figure out the Minbari beds was pretty funny. (laughs) But okay, the funniest part was when she, I, she finally gets it flat, she lays down, she's like, Ah, finally, and then it tilts up feet first and she just slides right off. I mean it was a complete pratfall,
0: but it was absolutely hilarious. How many times in this series is it about Susan trying to rest and being bothered? I feel like <laughs> I feel like I mean and and, and there's a famous right. there's still more coming up. I feel like JMS, because, you know, he put a lot of himself into Susan with the whole Russian, you know, Eastern European thing and all. I feel like JMS kind of feels that way about himself a lot, that he gets bothered and constantly harassed when he's trying to get some rest. And so he made Susan his kind of punching bag for that, you know? Just every time she's trying I, I to I will sleep. say it
1: comes up again in the very, very next episode it comes up
0: again, so. <laughs> well, and then after that, yeah, so when you get into season four, so for sure, yeah, it's just. Yeah. It's so funny. Right. Um, uh, my funniest moment, because I think you're right. That was good. I forgot about the little pillow things, and that was a good kind of a callback to when Sheridan was trying to sleep on him. But uh, my funniest moment was, you are the hand. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Why would I say anything as dopey sounding as that? <laughs> so I love how, you know, JMS presents it to us once as this portentous, dramatic thing. And then when we see it again, Susan just shoots holes in it. I love it. She's so good. Right. She's so yeah. Good. Yep, she is, and once again,
1: Susan is the the emotional touchstone Ugh. for the viewer. I mean, it's Absolutely. you know, she
0: she comes through yet again. She's so underrated. We've that's the biggest discovery we've made on this series, I think, for of all is how un, underrated Susan Ivanova is. All right, here yep. we go. Who won the episode?
1: Uh, Franklin won this one because <laughs> right. it By resolved the story arc for the for the for the positive. It resolved his story arc and and it resets him um you know on, on a new course and the whole nine yards i think he he had the most personally to lose in this one and he came out on top so
0: okay i thought about him but i just and it is kind of the culmination of his story yeah you know his his long built up to this but i felt like the army of light won the episode even though it was a two for one trade as we talked about that actually seems like a pretty decent if horrible ratio for them. So I give them the win. And therefore I'll just go ahead and say who lost the episode, the shadows, because not only did they get their butts kicked in that battle, they also had to then resort to a different tactic that they either weren't planning to use or kind of had to move their timetable ahead a little bit or something. So what do you think?
1: I, 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 and Connie and I discussed this one and surprisingly she and I came up with the, the same answer. We both thought it was Delenn who lost this one. because, Really? Uh, yeah. Not only did she, you know, she lost friends, I'm sure, on board that, that Minbari cruiser. Um, she lost allies during the battle. But there at the very end, this was supposed to be her big moment with John when she, you know, when she oh. f- is finally able to declare her love for him and yes. all that stuff. And the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen during that happened. I mean... It was just the The dead
0: wife walks in. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Right.
1: (laughs) right. You know, I mean, they, they, they weren't doing anything, but there she was in his quarters when he was still asleep in bed and you know, that she saw her entire world, you know, crumbling in front of her. She, she, she's finally ready to pull the trigger and tell Mm. John, you know, I love you and all that stuff. And this happens. So yeah, that, that's why we both
0: thought that, that she lost this one ultimately, man. Powerful, powerful. All right here's where we find out if you've still lost your mind or if you're coming back to sanity with the rest of us. <laughs> you want to go first you want me to go first? Sure, no, I'll go first. I give this one two and a half. No! no
1: I'm <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> this was a four-star episode for me. I thought it was... it was.
0: Kosh had something to say, but he decided not to.
1: <laughs> I thought this was a a really well-done episode. It had the big space battle, which was super cool. It had that... that that character reveal right at the very end that I thought was super cool, and it had the thing with with uh, um, uh, Doc Franklin. I thought that was a good a good resolution for his story arc. So four. I was going, I was yeah, I was waffling between four and four point five, and it just doesn't quite make that that top tier, the four point five. So it's a solid four.
0: I was I, I as well was waffling between four and four point five, and then uh, Anna Sheridan walked in. And it went to 4.5 for me because that ending <laughs> to me was just enough. And I was, I'm like, yeah. you and I are probably like a 0.005 off on this because, yeah, I gave right. it a 4.5, but I was kind of in between there too. So fair enough. This was a basically a really good one. I think we can just say that it was. It was a good one.
1: All right, yeah. all right. Um, this, you know what? This one would, uh, this one would have been a fantastic season finale, on par with the the other two season finales we got. But this isn't even the season finale. This is the penultimate episode of the
0: season. So, yeah this this ain't even it. <laughs> we got more right. to come. Yeah, we we. Yep. Yeah. folks, do not we're what not they, done yet. We got a little bit more to go here. But do right, not with, miss our next episode because they, oh man,
1: right. That one ends on a literal cliffhanger.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, holy cow, ho holy cow. All right. Uh, we have a few patron comments, and we have our spoiler space coming up. But we have to thank our patrons that make this show possible. And that includes, and, and again, if you join up, if you go to www.b5review.com, I will include you when I, when I list these folks. They include Allison Rich, Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, Woo Pig Suey Razorbacks. Okay, Colonel Dad. Settle down. Emma Jane Alexander. Oh, yeah. She said that she made her name clearer, so I'd have to, I'd stop being so confused. So bless your heart, Emma Jane. <laughs> Anything you can do to help me, I appreciate. Leah G. Lisa. Uh, oh, wait. Lisa. We are all kosh. Hammett. Dragon Con Delenn. Oh, I met Dragon Con DeLynn. I met Dragon Con, met Dragon Con at Dragon Con dressed as Delenn. I was not dressed as Delenn. Oh, she we- was dressed as Delenn.
1: We got to talk about your dragon because you you mentioned that you met a lot of listeners at Dragon Con. Oh,
0: so many, um, yeah. I met I met Dragon Condolyn. Okay, Emmanuel Seaman, Lady Sif, uh, mond Oh Six, Michael O'Connor, Stu Parker, the Geek Boy, Heather and y- I met Heather and Yancy Steingraber. They were awesome. They came up and really? talked to me at my table. Yeah, they were cool. Very cool. Yeah, not cream. the ones from New Zealand, right? No. Ice Cream Clone okay. with a Bowfit head, Michael Halbrook, and Zaha Doom Patrol. I love that. Um, but I met several others of the patrons from White Rocket and general. You know, we had the old. Remember, we had the old patron, and some people kind of stayed on it, and some came over here. And I met. Yep. Um, I met some of the folks from there too. Um, I can't remember everybody, but when it comes to, when it occurs to me, I'll, I'll mention. But I met several of the people from that one, as well as some from this one. So that that was just and, awesome. You know.
1: For all of our listeners, come heck or high water, I will be at DragonCon next year. So, oh. I look I look very forward to to meeting all these people as well in person. I think that would be fantastic.
0: So excited, yeah, that'd be so good, so good. Um, all right, so that was our patrons, and we have a few. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna I'm gonna. We have a lot of patron comments, but I don't think everybody always intends them to be read on the read on the air. And we're to the point now. The show would go another hour if I did. So what I'm going to do is just hit a few highlights. I'm sure our <laughs> patrons won't mind. Um, but I want to just kind of hit a few highlights.
1: Uh, I, I, w- yeah. I will mention that Vana and I have discussed doing just a, a patron oriental where we discuss all the the cool comments and interactions we've had with our patrons because <laughs> there's a lot. I, I had one with I, I think you mentioned uh, EJ Alexander. I, I I chatted with her too mm-hmm. through uh, Facebook. So it's it's always enjoyable.
0: Absolutely. Um, let's see. So several people talked about really, they wanted to see the Babylon five versus deep space nine panel. I'm glad I was able to post it. And, uh, several people said that, uh, Alison rich, uh, said, thank you for doing the, the rock cried out. No hiding place is a single episode. I always thought this episode was one of the best crafted ones of the series. So cabaret, of course, one of my favorite movies plays and I missed the reference. Doh. I always love it when Brother Theodore shows up, the rassable old space Jesuit with his sharp tongue. Uh, it shows that Londo cool. still has some good in the depths of his soul. I'm sure that his killing of Rifa is not entirely altruistic. Uh, I know I know it's revenge for the killing of Adira. I do think he knows that Rifa and Morden really are a match made in hell, which would destroy his home world. Above all, Londo is a patriot and cares deeply for Centauri Prime and its people, so a bit of a redemptive moment there. She also has a spoiler comment. But it's mainly just about in the Legions of Fire trilogy and uh, Reefa's daughter and stuff. So I'm going to leave that one off for now. But she kind of lays out some of the stuff about the books. And we're going to get to those, obviously, coming up. And um, she has an encyclo- she has an encyclopedic knowledge
1: of this series and, and yes. all the canon for it. I mean, I've, I've chatted with her before, too, and she's,
0: she's amazing. Absolutely true. Absolutely right. Um, Lady Sif said she'd really been anticipating The Rock Cried Out. One, it's, her, it's my favorite B5 episode. I love the character moments, the banner, the gospel music doesn't hurt. Love your show. I look forward to every new episode. Enjoy your humor. This is definitely the best B5 podcast, and I've tried quite a few. Wow. Um Oh, and she said I also did greatly enjoy the notes episode. Hopefully, you'll be able to do some more of those. So there you go. We'll we'll continue with the kind of breaking down. In fact, Andy, we may want to do one for the next episode, and we probably want to do one for a couple of the early season four episodes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. So let's go ahead. And, yeah. Let's go ahead and plan before we go from season three to season four. Let's make all right. So our next episode is the finale. Let's make the next episode after that kind of a notes for the last episode and this one and anything else. Then we'll do the season three wrap up with Bobby and Nathan, if they're available. And so we've got a little bit of stuff left to go in season three before we get to season four.
1: Yes, I agree. I think that would, that, that would be a lot of fun.
0: Kind of drag all the glory and fun out as much as we can. Right. We don't want to just blast through it cause then it'll be over. Uh, right. Let's see.
1: And, and for the listeners, Van and I would love to do that for every single episode and just, do this, you know, drop a new episode every every other day. But we oh. we just don't have the no. time or energy for that. I mean, we both have families and we both work hard at you know, and stuff like that. So it's it's difficult enough to get together once every other week. But it yeah. it is so much fun. I would love to do it more often.
0: I, I I've said that I wish we could do this weekly, and we would probably get more listeners and have more patrons. Honestly, I know that but I already do a weekly sports show and I do occasional James Bond shows and I do occasional other reviews and white rocket shows. And I do a, I do a, like a biweekly Avengers comics review. And so I just, my family would leave me because I would never see them, you know? So, um, yeah, I have to have some time left over to actually go watch new things with my wife and my daughter. So that's why it's a biweekly show. Andy and I just can't, we would love to do more, but we just can't. Um, uh, Allison also said that there's a principle every force needs an equal and opposite force. I think that Wayne Alexander, who embraced the show playing so many roles, is the opposing force to Kim Strauss, who played many roles but seems not to acknowledge his work on the show. That's interesting. Kim Strauss is the one that plays the Drazi that has that very, um, the the one with the very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, his personality shows too. He's that Drazi that's like, we don't like you other races. We drowsy are cool. You know that guy, that the right. very yeah. vivid drowsy. I don't know the word I'm looking right. for, but I'll say vivid, yeah. The very he, drowsy drowsy. The very, yes, he drowsies the drowsy more than any other drowsy drowsies. That's Kim <laughs> Strauss, and I agree with her. I think it is cool because Wayne Alexander did love the show, and I met him at you know where back in like 98 or 99, and he was so nice. I have a photo with him somewhere, and it's just great. I had my Space 1999 t-shirt on instead of my Babylon 5 <laughs> uniform. Anyway. Um,
1: Got to represent sometimes.
0: Yeah. Um, we must have said something about money because Lady Sif says, there's an episode where Londo complains about being a wishing well with legs after a Centauri offers him a bribe, and he tells Veer to log it with the rest. Maybe that's where his money's coming from. Uh, Theo is one of my favorite characters. I love the interactions between him and the other religious leaders, especially the preacher. Yeah, absolutely. I, They have a real respect. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, Colonel Dad, Woo Pig, Suey Razorback says, I can only imagine that when you two guys are about 85, sitting in your rocking chairs at the old folks' home, Van saying to Andy, now that we've finished Babylon 5, Crusade, the comics, the novels, the new Babylon 5, the new novels and comic books, do you now want a new Stargate SG-1 or Atlantis? And Andy says, "Air, <laughs> this is entirely too accurate. There, I, I can't, I don't even want to say anything. That's entirely too accurate." Uh, let's see. Ah, the Geek Boy says, "Love Andy's comment. The white stars are quote the size of the plot unquote." I agree. I go back and rewatch the entire series every couple of years, and the White Star has always been the most vexing part of the show. Its size always seems to change. And the exterior doesn't match the interior. Maybe Trek has just spoiled us that way. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Geek Boy also says, I'm listening to the two of you discuss the Londo Game of Thrones-style double cross leading to Reefa's death. I'm excited to get to this episode on our weekly B5 podcast. We are prepping for Walkabout this week. My daughter, who sometimes joins me on our show, loves Babylon 5. It was her very first geek culture experience. She's never lost her love for it. It's in the top five episodes of the series. So The Rock Cried Out No Hiding Place, people like it more than I thought they did. It's really surprising. Yeah, me. yeah. We haven't got a ton of downloads of that episode, so it's like the people that love it love it, but it's not one that people like seek out to listen to a show about. I, I feel like we get a certain number of downloads from everybody that just listens to the series. And then if right. it's one that and then if it's like, you know, severed dreams, we get a crap ton of extras because people are like, oh, there's a right. b five oh, there's a b five podcast. Let me see what they said about Severed dreams right. Um but um, Oddly enough, one of our most downloaded episodes is the one that was like Spider in the Web and A Race Through Dark Places, and I've yet to figure that one oh, right wow. out wow! I know. I'm like, what? Maybe the same person listened to it 150 times more than everybody else. <laughs> I, I I, don't know. Oh, That's Geek funny. Boy also said, I've always wondered how Londo and Jakar worked all it out to the point where Jakar knew he could trust Londo not to double-cross him. We talked about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Allison listened to the Babylon five versus deep space nine from dragon con 2022. I put, I, put, I went ahead and posted that, uh, a few days ago, mainly because I, I had it, but also because the patrons had to go like a month cause you and I had to record our episode early because of dragon con. So the patrons went like right. three weeks without an episode. So I posted that just to tie them over. And Allison said, thank you, Van. That was really enjoyable. Aside from classic Trek DS9 was my other favorite series and she really liked Cisco, Avery Brooks and all that. It was nice to hear appreciation for both shows. Um, oh Stu, Stu Parker said it was interesting to hear how things work at a convention like that. I've never been able to be at one. So people seem to get pretty aggressive sometimes. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, if you, you Andy, you're going to get to listen to it and I'm curious of your take. There was a I'll just say it as as diplomatically as I can. There was a there was a person sitting to my right who just kind of didn't follow etiquette? The etiquette is you kind of don't interrupt each other, you don't talk over people, you don't call on and you don't call on people in the audience to ask questions when somebody sitting right next to you is still talking, right. especially if they're not if they're not going on and on, you know. And I did we we I, we had somebody on that panel that just made it a very uncomfortable panel. So I was very I was sad that that was my last panel I did. Um, there, a stu- there's a
1: probably. There, there's probably a reason why they put that panel on Monday instead
0: of on yeah. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Stu had nice things to say about the uh, the solo review, the War Without End notes episode, and I do think that you and I should do more of those, as we just talked about. Yeah. Um, Oh, Emma Jane says, I'd love a Stargate Atlantis podcast with you two. I never got into SG-1. I could never find SG-Universe on a channel in the UK, but I adored Atlantis from the very beginning. And I agree. The kiss in this episode is one of the greatest on-stream kisses of all time. Um, I think that's it. Okay, you know, so there's our comments. She, she
1: she and I were interacting on through Facebook Messenger, and... Uh, we had a great discussion about um, a couple of the episodes recorded, and uh, we, we talked about what she wanted what, – what I wanted to see brought into the new series, what I wanted to address and all that. So that was kind of cool. But the thing that stood out for me was when she said uh, – she was thanking me for – thanking us for doing the podcast, and she said, I look forward to, to it every week. It's like having two pals in my house or car that I can just talk to. I thought that was super cool because that's exactly how I feel about our discussions. It's just hanging out with my pal Van, talking about a show we both love. And and I think that that could be why that our listeners pick up on that, that it is very conversational and and very genuine because we are genuinely having just a good time.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's it's the – yeah, I mean – it's exactly the same reason that, that we have a lot of listeners for my football show, is that John Ringer and I do the exact same thing you and I do, and I think people just enjoy two friends that get along well and have a very interesting, fun conversation. Whether we're geniuses and say anything original or not, I don't know and don't care, but we do have heartfelt, genuine, co- open, honest conversations with each other, and I think there is an appeal to that. I listen to other, I listen to other podcasts, regardless of topic, that had that, that kind of chemistry, right? And I appreciate that people yep. feel like we do. That that means a lot because we do try. We put effort yep. into it. Same, I mean, same, I, yeah, I work all day. Fun. I know you do too. I work all day preparing for this episode every two weeks. I After I watch the yep. episodes, I'm on the computer redoing my entire, you know, I have a spri- like a not a spreadsheet, I have like a Google Doc. And yep. I go and search for, the, I search for the notes. I search for the factoids. I search for the quotes. I search for all yep. this stuff. And then you have to come up with all your categories and everything, so.
1: Right. Yeah. We, we both, I know, do a lot of research just to come up with those, that all the interesting facts that we put, not in just in that category, but through, throughout the episode. Um, yes. I scoured the internet for interviews with cast members for each episode because they offer so much insight into, to the feeling oh, of that yeah. episode.
0: Absolutely. Um, okay. So my point is not that we are great <laughs> or our show is great. My point <laughs> right. is, that my point is I'm glad that our listeners like it. Yeah. And yeah. we try to deliver the best product that we are capable of. Um. Okay. I guess we're gonna quickly jump into. We're almost done. We're just gonna jump into spoiler space. Is this it? No, that's Penn State Hate Week. We don't want that. That's for the football show. the activated. All right. So I honestly don't really have a lot of spoiler space this time. I think that everything we were able to talk about, we were able to talk about more or less. Do you have anything? Right? For, do you have much
1: for I, spoiler space? I don't have anything written down for spoiler space. I'm trying to think.
0: I mean, if the, there is the, any. The and one thing swirly. that we can say is that in the next episode, it just picks up right back where this left off. Like it doesn't miss a beat, right? It, 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 it right. and in fact, it it goes back a few seconds, right? And you see this whole scene again. And um, did I mean what ensues after that? I never ever saw coming. I it absolutely blew my mind what we get in the next episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I
1: said, Connie and I watched the ne- next episode right after this one, and it was. It was fun to watch that all again. I mean, parts of it were difficult to watch, but that's because, mm-hmm. you know, it was difficult emotionally for the characters. But it, was, it, it 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 blew my mind. I remember watching it the first time, and it was like, holy crap. Cause being the season finale and knowing, you know, how every season finale has, you know, no, no character is safe. You know, at the end, of, at the season finale of this one, you don't know if those characters, you know, there's a couple characters that, May not come back to the the show in season four.
0: So, no, absolutely, and big ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <sighs> Man, very much so. So yeah, right. but I, uh, pertaining specifically to this episode, I can't think of anything yeah. that that we could discuss that would be particularly spoilerly, spoilery, th- spoiler. Yeah,
0: I, I think we've covered everything pretty well for this episode, and I, I think that our listeners now are just pretty much primed and ready to get into. Z minus zero. You know what I mean? Yeah. Zahadoom the big, the I big will moment.
1: say it was, uh, the, uh, relationship with Marcus and Ivanova was really interesting because she still has no clue, um, that, that, you know, it's going to develop. In fact, Connie said, now, why doesn't she like him? He's, he's kind of cute. I mean, what is she gay or <laughs> something? I'm like, well, funny you well, should ask that, but
0: she's <laughs> kind of, she kinda, she's flexible. Um, Right, <laughs> she's she's sort of like married to the to her job, but then again, she's also goes where her heart is. I think, but right. um, the only the, the the spoiler thing I was going to mention is um, is is uh, oh, I'm going to blank out it again. This keeps happening to me tonight. I guess I'm just tired. Um, dang it! Oh well. You need to start drinking Red Bull for the show as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. You, you you switched from red wine this week to Red Bull. That's uh,
1: oh, I tell you what, if I had my regular glass of wine tonight, I would have been gone before we hit you know the the patron <laughs> section. It, <laughs> I would have just
0: I'm oh, I'm exhausted man. too. All right, well, um, I guess I'll just say um, that. Oh, I th- I, th- I think what I was going to say was something about Susan that. About her getting woken up, we were talking about that, and I think that's more coming oh, yeah. up. And then there's the the Hour of the Wolf to start Season 4. I feel like she's constantly being bothered and never gets worried. Right. So that becomes a recurring theme. Anyway, so we agreed. So next episode, we're going to cover 322 Zahadoom. Yeah, big episode. If you go to Zahadoom, Andy, you better wear some you flowers lie. in your hair. Right, That's <laughs> not the way it goes. Wait a minute. Um, and then uh, after that, we're going to do kind of like an analysis notes episode like we did after like I did after war with that end and then we'll do our big season three wrap up so we got a few things left to do for season three. Yep. Yep. All right, let's bring this rolling train wreck to a conclusion and we'll see you guys down the road. Have a good have a good uh, have a good week Andy and we'll talk to you soon. Same to you my friend. Take care.